0: are filled with new wine that's how some folks reacted to the cacophony of voices coming from the house where Jesus disciples were staying the people who sneered at the disciples had no idea how close that statement was to the truth for the disciples were filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit a power that changed their lives and the world forever Mind you, the coming of the Spirit was not unexpected. The last thing that Jesus had told his disciples before he ascended to heaven was to wait in Jerusalem for God to baptize them with the Spirit. You can read about this in the first chapter of Acts. Though the disciples had no idea what Jesus was talking about, they did as he told them. They waited and prayed and probably wondered what the baptism of the Spirit would feel like and how they would know when it happened. Well, there certainly wasn't any question when it did happen. The sound of a hurricane, fiery tongues shouting in multiple languages, no wonder people were peering in the window and crowding in the doorway and and blocking traffic in the street outside the house. No doubt the spirit-possessed disciples did sound drunk until one person in the bewildered crowd and then two and then more realized that they were hearing the language of their homelands and suddenly words emerged from the Babel, words that opened their minds, touched their heart and filled them with a longing to hear more. In the grip of the Spirit, Peter gave them what they wanted, and he held nothing back. Though his audience was made up of people from many lands, all of them were Jews, and Peter spoke to the bewildered crowd in words that they could understand. What you are hearing, he said, is not a drunken party, but the fulfillment of the prophet Joel's vision of the last days. When God's spirit will pour out on all people, young and old, men and women, slaves and masters alike, turning them into dreamers and visionaries who will boldly proclaim God's word to the world. In those last days, Joel said, though terrifying signs in the heavens above will herald the coming of the Lord, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved." Peter went on, you can keep reading about this if you want in Acts 2, he went on to tell the people about Jesus, about how he had done deeds of power that were signs of God's favor, how according to God's plan he had been crucified and how God had raised him from the dead. This Jesus God raised up, Peter said, and of all that we are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out that which you see and hear. Therefore let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Undone by his words, the people cried out, What must me do? Repent. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, Peter told them, and 3,000 people responded. The Spirit had come, and as a result, there was a new community the community of the church. As hard as we try, there is no explaining the Holy Spirit. It's not something you can pin down or define, and in fact, the Bible itself speaks of the Spirit in a variety of ways. After his baptism, the Gospels tell it that the Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove as a sign of God's favor and presence. John's Gospel tells us that at his last meal on earth, Jesus assured his anxious disciples with a description of the Spirit as advocate, comforter, helper, one who would remind them of Jesus' words and guide them into truth. In his letter to the Romans, Paul describes the Spirit as one who bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and who helps us in our weakness, interceding for us with sighs too deep for words. This is the Spirit with whom we are most comfortable, the Spirit who guides us and gives us Peace and the assurance of Christ present with us. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place, and I know that it's the spirit of the Lord. Ah, but earlier in John, Jesus speaks of the spirit in a different way. He says, the wind blows where it chooses And you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. Just as the spirit does not fit in any category, so it cannot be controlled. The spirit blows where it will, how it will, and on whom it will. And sometimes its wild, unruly power is anything but peaceful. This is the spirit that compelled the prophets to speak God's truth. This is the spirit that overshadowed young girl and left her pregnant with a holy child. This is the spirit that empowered John the Baptist to witness to the coming of the Messiah. This is the spirit that not only descended on Jesus but drove him into the wilderness. And this is the spirit that came upon the disciples and left them windblown, fire singed, and transformed from fearful, bumbling men and women into courageous, bold apostles. In the power of the Spirit, they would go places they had never gone before, speak to people in ways they had never spoken before, and take risks far greater than that of being drunk, all in the name of Jesus Christ. It seems to me that we would prefer that this uncontrollable spirit stayed put in the pages of our Bibles. As Christians, we come to worship each week, to enjoy each other's fellowship, to sing our favorite hymns, to receive a message that will give us a little guidance and assurance in the week to come. But Pentecost, Pentecost reminds us that being a follower of Jesus means much, much more than that. It reminds us that others will not be attracted to Jesus or even interested in Him in him unless we are willing to make some noise even if it means being sneered at filled with the new wine of the spirits the disciples could not help themselves they had to make some noise and we need to pray that the spirit will give us the courage to do the same we are too quiet about our faith too afraid others will look down on us or ridicule us Some of you, uh, undoubtedly all of you, have noticed the beautiful flowers that are sitting below our altars, the one on top from Polly, the ones below are from a memorial service that was held here on Friday for a man named Robert Ishii. Some of you may know that man. He and his wife, Diane, attend Calvary Chapel LAX, but since their worship space was too small for the service, they asked if they could use our church. Clearly Bob was loved because this place was full. There were two other pastors besides myself who led the service, and believe me, they were not shy about sharing the hope they had in Jesus and inviting others to share that same hope. Mind you, they were not obnoxious about it. They simply spoke their faith in Christ with deep conviction, enthusiasm, and joy. Now, to be sure, That was a situation that lent itself to that kind of witness, especially since Bob also loved to share his faith with others. Nevertheless, it made me think about how many times I fail to share mine, even when I have the opportunity to do so. I think that whether we're pastors or not would be good for us to make some noise about Jesus. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that we need to start shouting like the kids were, sort of. (laughs) or that we should learn new languages, though that might be helpful. Making some noise about Jesus might be as simple as telling others why we are helping them, or sharing with friends why we go to worship each week, or explaining to our children why we want them to go to Sunday school. Pentecost also reminds us that we need to let ourselves dream dreams and to be open to new visions. Though we wish that the sanctuary was as full as it was on Friday, we need to dream bigger dreams than that. A couple weeks ago, we heard Catherine Parker, our missionary in Nepal, talk about her work there. And I know I felt moved to do something to help the people there, to maybe connect with another church so we could do a special project in Nepal for the children, people there, while others in the room wondered how we might make a difference closer to home in places like East L.A. or Watts. And that leads me to ask, what vision is God putting on your heart for this church and for this community, for this city and beyond? You know, the Pentecost story isn't the only place in the Bible that talks about new wine. Jesus himself used that term. In Luke 5, he tells those who are complaining that his disciples do not fast and pray as others do by saying, no one puts new wine in old wineskins, otherwise the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. I think we need to be open to the new wine of the Spirit that bubbles up on our mists and to create new wineskins, if you will, in our calendar, our facilities, and our life together. We did that when we opened our doors to family promise and when we agreed to help it shared bread, and we can do it again if we open ourselves to the dreams and the vision that the Spirit sends. Recently, we've had a lot of requests for space for Al-Anon groups, Could there be something the Spirit wants us to do with them or for them? And all summer, we'll host a destination science camp on our premises. Is the Spirit offering us a ministry opportunity in that event? Think about it. Pentecost also reminds us that we need to pray that the Spirit will guide our visions and empower our dreams. One of the guests at the memorial service wandered up to the third floor of this building, looked at the empty Sunday school rooms, and then shared with me that she envisioned them filled with children who were learning about Jesus. When I mentioned that what we really needed was Sunday school teachers, that same guest said to me, let's pray. And so we held hands. And she prayed for children to fill those rooms and for teachers to help them know about Jesus. Her prayer made me realize that though we wish we had more teachers and we complain about that we don't have them and we wish we had had more children, we don't really pray about it. It's time we did. In fact, let's pray right now. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, we want to help children learn about Jesus and to be a place where families can be strengthened in their relationships as well as their faith. Send us children and families and provide us with loving nursery caregivers and Sunday school teachers. Give us not only the means but the courage to prepare for their coming and to be open to your guidance. In Jesus' name, amen. I urge you to keep praying for that to happen. We also need to dream dreams and pray for the whole church. Our California Pacific Conference holds its annual meeting this week at the University of Redlands. I will be there along with Ellie Mackey and Glafi Carr who are serving as our lay members. This year's theme is I see a new church. And I urge you to pray that our conference will be given just such a vision. For now more than ever, we need the gift that the disciples, that Jesus promised the disciples. Now more than ever, we need wind and fire to wake us up, stir our souls and open our mouths. Now more than ever, we need to drink the new wine of the spirit and let it move us and move us and lead us and guide us and empower us. And so let us join our voices together with the countless others over the centuries who have played, Come, Holy Spirit, come. Will you say that with me? Come, Holy Spirit, come. May it be so. Amen.